Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Wen. Hi. So here we are in the podcast, in the studio in Putnam Valley, also known as East Cold Spring in my mind. And um, we, we did a photo shoot this week, which was interesting. But in it, you got to... Um, do a photo with Alan with your book that you two wrote together, The Tantra of the Yoga Sutras. And, um, you know, the Yoga Sutras is an endless well of things to talk about when we're talking yoga. So I thought maybe we would talk about the notion of what the sutras calls um, the obstacles, especially in terms of what so many people have been challenged around, like coming into class during these days of insane news. I mean, every talk show host is talking about it, the, the news, what the Supreme Court is doing, what's going on and the hearings and all of this stuff and, you know, how how is it that we're supposed to respond to these major challenges that are, they're always confronting us, but I think now it's just this little bit extra in our face. Yeah. Like, what do you do when there's quote unquote evil or things that seem really wrong um, going on in the world? You know, when, and especially I think it, it <laughs> you know, you and I know that we've been talking about someone for whom things seem unfair. And, and I think a lot of times when we talk to our, our students or our clients or whatnot, you know, there is this notion of it's not fair. You know, I'm trying so hard or I'm doing this and the circumstances come up where the other people aren't holding up their end of the bargain. So the yeah. sutras say stuff about that. And, you know, we would say stuff about that from our own practice and our own self-study. Yeah. But I think that's a fruitful good place, place to, to go. discuss. Yeah. Well, I'm right with you there. Um, it's sort of an undeniable in your face experience what's happening in the world right now and uh i think more than ever like at least for me and for the people that i know that um <clears throat> think of yoga not as an exercise that you do on the mat but as a way of being in the world um, that times like these call on us to somehow 
meet the world using all of our tools and skills to the to the extent that we're able to the you know we there's always this way in which we have done the work that we've done and then we meet the conditions that we meet and you know we can we 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 don't have the power in our own little sphere of what we can do like at the yoga is so much about actions that we take um re- that re- and how they relate to experiences internally that we have and the relationship or the dance that happens between them and in times like these you know when we get challenged we like our 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 focus narrows to this place of survival and reaction and we just forget about these tools that we have to use um to meet the world and you know there's so uh, for me this is the place where i where i have to do my own work and where i like to be teaching from because well we teach what we need to learn but also i think it's re- this is the place where i feel like yoga is actually relevant to the world that that is in front of us and so what the sutras how the sutras plays into this is in 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 where we're going to go with it and where i think we're going with it is that um you know we can overlook it but it's very very prominent in the sutras that this sort of um behavioral or relational aspect of how we do this work how we, you know the way that is called yoga uh works is um not just somatic or sensory or super sensory you know um tr- trans uh trans Transcendent. Transcendent, but also relational. Because you could go there. You could say, oh, right, survival is our issue. Let's just do a chakra meditation or let's just go past it. And and I have to say that I (coughs) I have to say that I sometimes do that. Like I will say, you know what? This is too much in my head, too much to think about. Let's let's tune the system up as a way to allow for a meditation and the meditation is a way of like you just said transcending the circumstances in order to get more more insight yeah and then you come back but you still have to do this piece that you're talking about that is relational yes and for me okay so that's so so important what you're saying because the other side of that that also is so clearly part of yoga is going below it not you know going below the relational place to this to the somatic and to when it's so so hard and we can't deal with it and we can't think it through we can't deal with it in the mental emotional realm we we can go to what does my left elbow feel like Right. Well, right now I have tennis elbow. So I'm always thinking, what does my left elbow feel like? But honestly, you know, we we get drawn to these places where the body is holding some piece of this. And there's a way in which just 
allowing that to percolate from below up, like your your in your um, go to places to, you know, let me just do a chakra meditation and get outside of this so I can then come back in in a different new way. And sometimes what works for me to get me there is to go below it and to go to this sort of somatic sensory place in at which point I can then come, I can move into this, a more letting it go transcending, like it it moves and then I can move out. But this relational or behavioral reaction and, you know, response versus reaction place is in between, always in between those two poles. Yeah. And we should, it's the here and now. And we should maybe get explicit in a minute because the sutras say one of the challenges to being able to do this whole circle, right? This whole circle of sadhana is you get interrupted by certain things that make your practice less consistent Less and less easy, fruitful. Less yeah. possible. Less possible. Guess what that's called? The human condition. Exactly. <laughs> the nature of being involved in this sensory world that is who we are as individuals. Exactly. And what this manifestation is about. So the sutras being such a brilliant uh, summarization of the way that yoga can help with the human condition and with the uh, understanding of who we are, right? That we have this sensory component and we also have this transcendent component. And when we can do both, we have a different experience of life, one that involves the cities or things that f- will feel more like we're in the flow but from the outside look more like powers somehow like wait a minute how did you how did you navigate that well you did it because you were bringing a more clear picture what um you know in the native american um studies that that you do they they say have this beautiful expression like in your pipe right mm-hmm. it's like things are lined up right and so you move in shishimnanadi yeah exactly <laughs> so you move more clearly into whatever is in front of you, right? I was speaking a lot about Ganesha yesterday in teacher training, you know, and to me, Ganesha isn't like this exterior force that you're praying, please give me some help here. But you're saying, I can call on this energy within myself that will reach deep for what it takes to get through a challenge that's in front of me, right? So... Um, that's a, a long way around to say maybe let's read the keys, the, yeah. the, that sutra about the four keys of when you bump into challenging people, right? When you bump into situations that trigger something in you that would become an obstacle to you doing practice, that makes it harder to yeah. do practice. Emphasize that would become an obstacle to you. Right. Right, so there's exactly. that relational piece. Right, right, and and as we do this, right, because just let me just point yeah, out yeah. That, that that what happens to us is when we have those reactions, it's 
it's a reaction in me because it's triggering something in me that seems like it's about you. Right. But And it may be about you, but it's not about you. It's my part of it is that I need to look at the reaction that was triggered in me. And that's where yoga comes in. Because if I do my part, then it's just much more likely that you'll get something from it. Because that's the nature of how we're related. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to interject that. Because <laughs> it was, it just, sometimes I think these things need to be a little bit more called out or tweezed out. I, I agree, and I'm just going to repeat that. So often we have these relational situations come about that are triggering for us and our go-to is they need to change mm-hmm. but that, that that's almost never available but what's always available exactly. is our relationship to it can change exactly and to and to shift my relationship to the thing that's out that's other literally the only way that I have available that's in any way powerful or transformative is inside of me. But it's not navel-gazing because it's the intention is to look inside as a way to shift what's outside. Like, it's very hard for us in this world, I think, to explain how that works because it's not actually totally quantifiable. And that's where cities come in. Exactly. And I think we need, this is a whole separate side conversation that could be, you know, a next thing, but to talk about that and what that's really about. But we're not going to go there right now. But just to remember, you know, it's like... um, I'm coming inside because that's the place where I have the capacity to shift something. And that shift will be mirrored in some way in the relational field. If you look outside of yourself after you've done this work or as you're doing this work, you will see it happening. And that's what we need to remember when we're doing it. Because otherwise we think, because we've been taught, right, sometimes... Uh, you know, to give is better than to receive, right? We think we've been taught to do the external thing as a way to shift the internal thing. And while that might be true in some, like we definitely are externally oriented people, but we need to turn it or be able to also turn it around and realize that doing the internal shift affects the external relational field. And if we get used to being able to stay aware of those of that connection and to be looking for, you know, uh, not predicting or trying to influence too specifically, or, you know, quantifiably, how that works it but rather just in a more observing way, we end up being just able to kind of navigate and stay in our pipe or in our in our uh, sattvic container. And then, you know, we, we, we end up calling that, you know, grace or uh, skillful living or whatever we call it. Yeah. 
slicing through our karma gracefully for mm-hmm. you yogi ishta yogis out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, let's read the four. Well, let's call it what it is. Pada what? So we're in samadhi pada, and um, we've been talking. You know, we we've been. I'm not going to equate myself with Patanjali, but. <laughs> you know this the where we are is that you know in in samadhi pada we're talking about just sort of the overview like where we are like what is samadhi and how do we get there like just you know not just like not the steps of of sadhana but the kind of like what is it where what is the laying out the the circle the cycle of the of the whole thing kind of like a bird's eye view and We've gotten to a place where, um, you know, it, it, right before this, it tells us uh, this is the human condition, and these are the things that are make it difficult for us to be in samadhi. That make it, you know, that are the challenges, and they're in in here. They're called the nine distractions, and they're things like you know. Uh, physical illness and doubt or indecision thing you know just the human condition mm-hmm. <laughs> things that come up for us as human beings yeah and then we the first the, the the next thing is and these are the ways that we find this equilibrium right and it just goes on a whole long list instead of having the these distractions to find equilibrium instead exactly and equilibrium we were just talking about um you know, being in your pipe or staying in your in your in your sattvic container, and that's really what we're talking about because these distractions play into how we get off course, how yeah. we how we how it makes it hard for us to be uh, in access to. Yeah, this. and I I just want to emphasize this. We we've been spending you know like ten minutes or so caveating what we're about to to say because (laughs) it's so human to say these next things these four keys that are in this sutra coming up and think these are rules these are things we're supposed to do but it's not it's exactly because there's a condition and what is the solution to the condition what will shift this challenge to allow for us to move more gracefully so all of this caveating that we're doing all of this preparatory speaking that we're doing is so that when you hear these rules you don't hear them as rules exactly you hear them as these are practical adjustments to the way that you are encountering something so that you move more gracefully to samadhi to meditation to your practice and with the intention of relating to it from that place of equilibrium that comes from being able to access samadhi great so it's completely circular so if anybody listening hasn't gotten it by now tough luck let's read them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay <laughs> um so the four keys Uh, equilibrium of mind can be maintained by cultivating the following attitudes. 
a feeling of unconditional love and enjoyment towards those who are contented, peaceful, and happy. Compassion towards those, even oneself, who encounter challenging situations that create suffering. A sense of joy and supportiveness for those who experience honorable successes. Equanimity when confronted by those who are troubled and project their negativity onto others in a hurtful way or who one judges as immoral. So let me just take a pause here because that's a lot. It's a big mouthful and if you're, for me, if I'm not looking at the words, sometimes I can get like, I don't know what just got said. So we're talking about creating equilibrium of mind and maintaining it. To me, that means equilibrium of mind means staying in your sophic place when meeting the world. And, and just to elaborate on that a little bit, staying in your sattvic place is as opposed to coming into a rajasic or a tamasic place. And the rajasic and tamasic place that we would get into is, I need to fix that. I need to change this. I or need this I to need, be otherwise. Or this needs to stop existing. Yes, or, you know, right. Exactly. So that though that's the tamasic. Like, right. I gotta get away from this. Right. So, um... So just to sort of encapsulate, um, someone who's contented, peaceful, and happy gets met with unconditional love and enjoyment. Right. So the, the, there's always this challenge when you encounter someone who's having this happiness, they're in a state <laughs> of happiness, if you're not balanced, right? You either want what they have, or you get resentful about that yeah. they're happy. Yeah, I think this is a little bit where FOMO comes from. Yeah. Like, we always think that we should have what other people have. And since I just learned what that means recently, I should say fear of missing out <laughs> on something. Everybody under a certain age <laughs> does not need that, and everybody <laughs> over a certain age might need that. Right. right. Um, so somebody who then is um, meeting a challenging situation that's creating suffering in their world moving on to the second one moving on to the second one would be met in this sutra in these four keys with compassion right right and so I, I think this is a, a good one to start noticing that it's not always just one of these circumstances that we're encountering because let's get a little political since this is so much what's in the news right now and where it becomes challenging. Like when you encounter suffering and you are in a, mm. um, of a certain persuasion of the way you think things come about, you might see someone who's suffering and think, well, that person is suffering, but it's because they're evil. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They're being lazy or yeah. they're, they're not living <laughs> properly, right? Or they're not following the rules. They want something for nothing. Right. You would have, that's called judgment. Yeah. 
So you... Which in you is a, is the issue. Right. Right. So we're just learning through this, this sutra that, by the way, just to underline, is the first in a long list of how to maintain equilibrium to be connected to samadhi. And it is about the relational field. Mm-hmm. So just to underline that. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just uh, yeah. saying that because having compassion might be in somebody's yeah, wheelhouse, yeah. right? Like they see someone suffering, they might say, oh, that's too bad, right? And that would keep them in this state of equilibrium. But someone else who sees that person who's suffering as being somehow, what's the last one say? No, it doesn't say evil in your translation. It says... Hurtful. Hurtful, or there's another word in there too, I think. Uh, projecting their negativity onto others in a hurtful way. Yeah, so it might be mixed up with that as well. So you might need to have right. this last one, the fourth thing going on, before you can get to the compassion that right. lets you feel okay about it. Right, yeah. Uh, Yes, there's no prescription here. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. There's no prescription, and they they mix in interesting ways. But also, just to say, you know, that compassion, you know, we can think of compassion in a lot of ways. A lot of people mix up compassion, I think, which is simply being with, emotionally tolerating and being with the experience of you know, what one experiences in the context of another person's experience. Mm -hmm. And that is often the antidote for the judgment that can come up. Right. Right? To allow the experience. To just be, you know, to... to And it can feel overwhelming sometimes because, you know, the, the judgment of you know, this person didn't do their job and so, you know, too bad for them, I think is often a way that we can, that we almost like block ourselves from feeling the fear of like, but for the grace of God, there go I, or, you know, we just, it's like we're a little bit numb to the actual reality of what's happening in the world. And so that judgment is a way to create that wall. And so if we're talking about, this is why this is such a big deal. It's like having compassion isn't about saying, oh, poor baby. Mm Mm-hmm. It's about actually being in the experience of what this is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that'll just break you open, mm-hmm. you know? So to especially to if, empathetic place. if, especially if we're not used to it. And I think a lot of, but anyway, this is, this is a dance that we have to do. Right. You know? And, and within that dance too, is the getting rajasic or tamasic about it, right? Because the goal of this sutra is, to help us to stay in a place of equilibrium, to stay in sattva guna. Because when you have compassion for someone who's suffering, you might be drawn into a more rajasic place, like, I have to fix this. Yeah. Right? Or I might be in a tamasic place of, oh, the world is horrible. What, why should I practice? Why should I do anything? The world is just evil, right? Or challenging or difficult. Which goes right back to the distractions. Mm-hmm. That's, that becomes your own distraction. 
like lazy, like not getting to your sadhana. Right. Exactly. So the the statement that's being presented, and it's interesting, is literally advice, right? When you encounter someone suffering, have compassion, right? Be in that place of feeling. Accepting the truth of what it is. Yeah. Just accepting the truth of what it is and being right there with it. Mm-hmm. And knowing that it is your job to be right there with it and stay in your container. Yeah. Can I go to the next one? Let's do the third one. So the third one is, um, so if somebody is experiencing honorable success, whatever that means to you, it's that person gets met with a sense of joy and supportiveness. Mm -hmm. And here too, we get to parse out that part where we're not so sure the success is honorable mm -hmm. or not. In which case, again, we get bumped into the fourth key. Yeah. Right. But in this one, it's that when someone does have success, even if it's somebody maybe you don't like so much or somebody. See, I think this one is more about the person that you're in competition with. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's my, I see my the thing I wanted in that person. That person's getting the thing I've always been striving for. Mm hmm. And we, we go to jealousy or we go to, you know, just envy of any kind, mm -hmm. you know. And these, I think these things can just be so, you know, the, the, they're absolutely based on our own histories and layers of, of whatever, you know, patterning and unpleasant ex anywhere from unpleasant experience to like outright trauma in our past that we we've encountered challenges around uh, over and over again and then we see somebody else you know doing it and it's just saying if it's honorable in your mind not if it's honorable objectively right if if this is something that this person, you see that, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll see like, um, you know, somebody's doing something online that I have wanted to do. And, and I'll think, you know, this person did all the work to do this. And it's not a, it's not, it's not their challenge. They did it. They did the work. It's totally honorable, you know, whatever. And I, this is something that I always wanted to do. Right. Or I think about a lot, but right. I don't do it. I do other things. Right. So that's where, you know, I just want to. Or you do, you do it too, but that's just not the karma. Exactly. Sometimes it can just be, well, be, yes, yes. It, that's just not the karma and it's not working in my life in that way. That's not the teaching I got in this life. Right. And, um, So the way that I can relate to that and keep my keep myself in my own container, I'm going to use that language because I'm just feeling like it's, if I'm in my center, I can maintain my container and then I can relate from this place. And this way of relating is that I just need to remember I'm here to do my thing. This goes to purpose. 
this is what I'm here to do. Uh, you know, I'm here. I have to. My karma is with me in every moment, and I have to just walk my dharma. I have to do it in the best possible way, and holding a sense of joy and supportiveness for somebody who's doing that on in their world, for me, makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. it, and it's a big deal, you know. Like, how do I stay doing my thing in the face of all these things that feel like everybody else is doing my thing? <laughs> Right. You know? And often when I can do that, I just realize it just comes around. It's just not a thing. It's not a competition. Right. You know, it's like a literal, like really a, 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 you, you have the opportunity to make connection with people who are of like mind then. Mm -hmm. You know? Anyway, I just went off on a tangent. I'm not sure that's a big deal for a lot of people but it is in here in that way and i think that the important thing is for that word honorable yeah you know but i mean that word honorable is so up for judgment and um i i understand why it's there but like this gets into our whole political debate right now where one side thinks the other side is just not honorable they think they're, you know, malicious and have ulterior motives and are not trustworthy and in many ways are evil, right? So it's very hard to feel supportive of victories. I, I understand what you're saying completely. And I do think that this is a huge issue, um, So for me, it comes down to what we have to, each of us as a yogi has to truly, truly examine what we feel like is an honorable thing to be pursuing in the world. Mm -hmm. And this sutra, this part of this sutra is saying those people who are pursuing honorable action in the world and experiencing success. This is how we relate to them. This is not talking about, you know, having a, you know, what is, what is it, feeling, having, cultivating a sense of joy and supportiveness for people who we think are doing dishonorable things. Right. Right? That goes to, there's something in here from another place, which is that actually is, um, you know, somebody who is with this fourth key is a big one because That's I think this one. goes I to the fourth to key where, yeah. where you know, somebody's doing something hurtful. So it's doing somebody doing something hurtful to the environment or to people, and masquerading societally as a good. And so we have to parse those things, and we each of us have to decide what we think is honorable and what we think is destructive, and actions in the world and we have to get clear on that and i think that the way that uh, you and alan translated this last key is really critical because yeah. it isn't black and white about evil good maybe can you read that yeah let me read sutra? that one. so i'm going to read it i'm going to read this piece of this sutra um, in its entirety yeah Equanimity, so we're the, the thing we're meeting, the, the, the tool we're using here is equanimity, right? 
equanimity when confronted by those who are troubled and project their negativity onto others in a hurtful way or who one judges as immoral. So first of all, the first thing that jumps out at me here is that having judgment is not in itself a bad thing, right? It's not in itself destructive to my sense of e- uh, my internal sense of equilibrium when channeled correctly, right? right. So again, I'm really struck by the relationship between the third one and the fourth one around how do I correctly judge what for me is honorable or destructive? I'm going to use those words. Mm-hmm. So we meet those who are troubled and project their negativity onto others in a hurtful way with equanimity. We meet those who we judge as immoral or destructive with equanimity. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Right. It doesn't mean that we don't make boundaries. Right. And it doesn't mean that we don't disagree with it or are going to work toward changing what the result of their actions are. Yeah. You know, and that that I think is the the really challenging part and makes some people feel like you're just turning away right. or you 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 decide you become apathetic toward the world. Yeah. And that's that's just not the case. You know, the the whole Bhagavad Gita is about how Arjuna has to go to battle. Yeah. Right? And here's why. Right? Yeah. So the to me the the primary message out of this sutra is not the rules, right? It's not about rules, about how you're supposed to act towards people or how you're supposed to act towards their actions, but that this pada of the sutras says, you need to meditate because you see who you are. Otherwise you're wrapped up in your thoughts. Yeah. And one of the distractions to meditating is getting tangled up in these relationship issues. The primary one. Yeah. And so in order to be able to meditate, you need to take an attitude toward the relationship issues that you're encountering and meditate. Then you'll know what is my work in the world what is it that I'm supposed to do? And you'll encounter all these people that you have relationships with in your work in the world, but from a place of Exactly. It doesn't clarity. make them go away. Right. The change is more on a micro level. The work is on a macro level. It's like macro and micro interact with each other in this in this work. And it's very hard to see it from the beginning. Like this is this goes to it's hard to read Samadhi Pada first, but you need to read Samadhi Pada first. Right. You know, because right. it's telling you the big like what do I do? What do I have to do? But it's not telling you what to do. It's telling you what the problems are and how we meet them in general. Right. And then later on in Sadhana Pada gives you more right. 
things tell, about what to do. Tells you what to do, and then the third, in your own practice, and then the third and fourth padas tell you well, then what what will that look like, and then what will how will you be engaging with the world after yeah. that? And that's when all these other challenges. Then you have the resources to do deal with them, right? You know, and when you encounter a teacher who gives you advice or sees clearly more clearly what's going on with you and can offer you something that's because they are looking with that clarity with that freedom and able to get a bigger picture on what's going on with you and helps you out so you're 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 turning to your teacher as part of this whole package right which it's another okay, how so to get later there, on it's right? in the same list of things that we do it says it can you know so you can after the four keys what we get is uh more or ways. you could yeah. more ways or yeah. uh you develop the ability to retain the breath after exhalation mm -hmm. it's like the pause mm -hmm. right so you get to be able to like pause and that will another way of maintaining the equilibrium of mind to be able to meditate right right it can come by focusing on subtle inner inner sensory perceptions it can come by awareness of jyoti or the light that is generated in the transformative light mm -hmm. or it can come by receiving shakti or inspirational energy from someone whose consciousness is free from this the mind's getting wrapped up in distractions, right? Right. So there's that. Well, who who is that? It's usually the teacher that you encounter, right? Uh, like just to kind of remind your energy that this, your your system, right? Mm -hmm. Your like personal ego, you know, samskaric system that this is possible because right. when you're wrapped up in it, it doesn't seem possible. Right. It seems totally unattainable i'm i've been recently going back and forth between feeling in it and using my tools and coming out of it and and i feel like a like a ping pong ball sometimes but what you get is in in doing the practice over a really long time is not enlightenment that helps you to never experience the world again but Enlightenment lets you be in the world and experience it, karma and all, warts and all, yeah. challenging people and all. We're all going through this big world experience right now, and it is, uh, well, for those of us who have been on the planet for a, like quite a while, wow, did we ever think in all of those challenging times that led up to this that we would be in this? And how do we get to the place where we can appreciate being in this, at this stage of a life? I can only imagine what it feels like for young people. I see most young people out there getting fired up. Right. Right. That's what I see. Or just completely regressive. Mm -hmm. Holding on to what they have. Mm -hmm. I have to hold on. Well, actually, I'm, I'm seeing that more in the older, you know, that middle group, you know? Mm -hmm. I've worked this hard for this. I'm not giving it up. Right. Right. Anyway, right. That's well, it gets question. back to that 
question of the earth that we began with, you know, the, like the earth element, our survival feels threatened. Yeah. So that brings us into some of the lower areas of our own thinking process, the, the, the primitive brain functions of survival kick in and all this, you know, stuff we've been talking about, in a way, it's like, I was tempted to call it a luxury, but it's not a luxury as much as it's the requirement for evolution. But when survival is all we can think about, it's hard to get to evolution, right? Yeah. yeah. So I also, well, you know, gosh, we could just go into a whole new cycle of conversation here. But I also think um, there's this issue that comes up for people of privilege a lot. And, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to step in hot water if I say, if I bring stuff up. But, you know, the, and there, there are issues of privilege that need, that we need to be exquisitely sensitized to among all layers of, you know, what people have and have been subjected to culturally and societally, not just in this generation. And that being said, I honestly think that every single one of us, every single one of us, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you have. If you're like <laughs> the homeless guy that you just, that you described today walking around to having being attached to holding you know the the image self-image right right um whoever we are we need to be uh in some kind of awareness that the first privilege is being alive just period we are every single one of us learning something from this this life karmically and each and every one of us has a dharma in this life that's not different or disconnected from our karma, our burdens, our challenges. It is intimately connected with. We cannot have a dharma that is not informed by what we came in with and what we need to learn and the challenges that we're here to face. And I think that makes it makes a lot of sense to give everybody dignity at that level. And then maybe that, that fever pitch of that political conversation comes down just a tiny notch because it is also about injustice but justice is a big deal and we're not seeing a lot of justice right now right right well you know it, the, um, i mean another way to speak of this is to say that you know for millennia the natural law rules and natural law doesn't really have a lot of justice built into it. Yeah. It has a lot of survival and it has a lot of competition yeah. and it simply goes with the flow, yeah. you know, but humanity as a step in evolution, you know, as a step in the big bang yeah. is creating an awareness of, the idea of justice and imposing that on the natural order to say things like that. And, and part of our dance and part of the frustrations of aspects of our culture are 
where do, where can justice have a role and where is it like ridiculous like in the animal kingdom if you try to say well that bird doesn't deserve to get eaten by that hawk you know well that's a says kind of who a, yeah. you know i mean no but i mean yes. this is the these are the the gray areas that we end up when we start thinking about it i mean it goes to veganism or and vegetarianism and it and it can go to a sort of a uh, not ridiculous but an absurd almost to me an absurd place when we stop recognizing natural the natural world in its patterning mm-hmm. like there is that you know it's again it's a little bit like um you know we don't want things to die mm-hmm. we don't think sh- things should die well everything dies mm-hmm. every right. every year mother nature sh- throws up beauty and then takes it away right every single year uh, every year every moment things are being born and then living and then dying right and something and it's just a matter of like how big is that cycle and mm-hmm. you know i go into whatever i like to break things down into sometimes what we i think get into like too much detail but if we don't pay attention to the fact that it's not good or bad to be born or to die, we think, oh, it's great to have life and it's not great to die. Right. We're just, again, we're, we're almost diminishing that thing that I was talking about where every life is precious, mm-hmm. you know, because it comes with death. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, th- this is the nature of rajas and tamas. Should ra- should should the world not be rajasic and tamasic? That is not what yoga is saying. Mm-hmm. It is deeply. Right. It's how it works, and we think duality. But this is like we have rajas and tamas, and we have sattvas in between, mm-hmm. and the three create this this cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to be able to. You know, yoga is simply saying. That in these poles of rajas and tamas, of in this case we're talking about reactivity right. to the relational field. Right. That we have to be remembering at least at a very sometimes primitive level that we, that the goal is not to fix that thing and get all right. that our rajas is not taking us to some sort of I don't know utopian fix right. it place right but it's telling us something else and we need to temper it by coming back right from it right so maybe to wrap up here we we've taken this sutra <laughs> that talks about how our relation to the world creates a challenge for us to practice and that we can use these four keys for statements as uh, guidance not rules but guidance in how to keep ourselves in equilibrium as we deal with the various challenges of relationship that we encounter whether it's like a one-on-one relationship like you and I have or a one-on one uh, one on like abstract relationship like me and Congress or stuff like that, right? It's like 
okay, so here's some guidance on how to find equilibrium so that you can continue to do your sadhana. The sadhana leads to samadhi, having samadhi as part of your living, yoga as part of your living helps you know who you are. And that leads to a condition of being that is more free of the kinds of challenges that we're trying to get rid of. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Well, there you go. And that is the promise of the yoga practice, that it brings you to this place where you encounter more dexterity in living, which I'm translating cities, right, as dexterity in living or power power and skill skill in understanding how to navigate the world. And that leaves you in a state of being that is more clear, more free, more, uh, more where you can be more helpful because you know who you are and what you're doing. Right. So, so enlightenment, beautiful. And that, that, you know, the ultimate place that Samadhi, you know, we always make that connection is, you know, enlightenment is, it's not some state elsewhere. It's how to bring it back to this challenge. Yeah. Right. The challenges don't, go away they shift yeah you become more masterful within them you become and that shifts them right right and that to me is the most hopeful thing right and i've seen it over and over again and the more you get attached to a particular way that's supposed to be which as you know as as much as i'm down with you know make goals and try to do things and all of that stuff getting to attach to particular ways you want things to be will just pull you out of the, yeah. the process that you need to be in yeah. so um let's let's wrap up there wrap it and up. then we will um come back another time soon and talk more because there's so many ways to discuss this yeah from the koshas to the you know to the elements to yeah. the, to all kinds of ways so um but I hope uh, that this has been fruitful and helpful for people who are meeting the challenge of, you know, how can I go on when all this is feeling so crumbling around me? Yes. So um, we hear we hear that, and um, feel free to get in touch with us. Yeah. Uh, Ditto, and um, I. I just, yeah, I want to second that. Yeah. All right. Namaste. Namaste. Please support Peter's podcast on patreon.com. Review the podcast. And I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Namaste. Namaste.